thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Good morning to all the women in the house and the women watching online. All of us may not be biological mothers, but we are all daughters of a mother. Hallelujah. And this is our day. Thank you to my senior pastors for giving me the opportunity. Thank you to the women ministry. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Thank you for Bishop Johnson, who is a teacher. He taught me to be a teacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Jehovah everlasting, you are the one who are God. I pray that you will speak to somebody today, not with enticing words of man's wisdom. I don't want to speak that, but I want to speak something that would be a demonstration of the spirit and of power that somebody's heart will be touched this morning. Amen. So I just actually came to encourage you and to encourage myself. So if you're looking for some kind of strong doctrine, just wait until Bishop Johnson comes. I just came <laughs> to encourage you. And if it sounds like I have some stuff mixed up together, there's a man of God who's gone to be with the Lord. His name was Richard Cole. He will say, this is jollof rice. So I'm sorry for those of you who don't know jollof rice. I'm really sorry. But if you know, you know. Hallelujah. So I always like to sing something before I speak. And um, years ago, before many of you here were born, many of you are online were born, they used to have cassette players in cars. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> one of my daughters left a cassette player, a cassette in the cassette player. It was from Bob Marley's Exodus. I know you don't know anything about it at all. But Bob Marley had a song that he based on Psalm 137 about the children of Israel in Babylon. And how the people, the Babylonians told them, sing us a God song. And they themselves said they hung up their, their lyre everything and they felt they couldn't sing the Lord's song in a strange land and that song just stayed I couldn't get it out of my mind if you like music you know how music can just stay in your mind I didn't need Bob Marley to be in my mind because I'm a worship leader so I thought okay Holy Spirit help me and he helped me with this song to fight fire with fire so actually it's a story that just has a melody alright Babylon where they sat down There they wept they remembered Zion the city of their God They remembered Zion By the rivers of Babylon they sat down There they wept, they remembered Zion, the city of their God. They remembered Zion. And then they heard them say, Sing us your God's song. The Babylonians mocked them, they said, 
Sing us your God song. How could they sing their God song in a strange land? And then they heard them say, Sing us your God song. The Babylonians mocked them. They said, Sing us your God song. How could they sing their God song in a strange land? The Babylonians mocked them. They said, Sing us your God song. And then they heard them say, Sing us your God song. The children of Israel, eh? They couldn't remember anything, Bishop. They couldn't remember what God did for them. When they were in Babylon, they hung up their lyre. The Babylonians mocked them. And you are thinking, ha, those children of Israel. We are just like them now. We forget. You're asking yourself. Because you're hearing life say to you. You hear them say, sing us your God's song. Hear them say, Sing us your God. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I just need to remind you our God is omnipotent. Hey, our God is omniscient. Our God is omnipresent. And in Babylon, He is there and He is Lord. Our God is omniscient. Yeah. Our God is omnipotent. Our God is omnipresent. And in Babylon, He is there and He is Lord. So when you hear them say, sing us your God's song. Oh, when you hear them say, sing us your God. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Tell them, my God is omniscient. Yeah, my God is omnipotent. <laughs> My God is omnipresent And in Babylon He is there And He is Lord He is Lord In Babylon He is Lord King Jesus is Lord In Babylon He's Lord in the hospital In Babylon, he is there and he is Lord. Hallelujah! Hey, clap your hands, all ye people! 
ask him to encourage him. If I don't preach anything else, I'll preach already, Bishop. <laughs> Amen. I want to read something from Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 to 6. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If I were Baptist, I would say the title of this message is marred, yes, but in the potter's hand. I was looking at it and I talked about grammar. It says this, it says, the part he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So some days I don't speak standard English, please excuse me, but I do teach English. So I saw it's the passive voice. It did not say that the putter marred the thing in his hand. It said it was marred while it was in his hand. And then he fixed it the way he wanted it to be. Can you play the, show the New Living Translation for me, please? It's the same story. I just want to point out something. It says, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped or as the way he wanted it to be. So that's what he did with it. He crushed it into a lump of clay, and he started over. Faithful is he who has called us, Dr. Mordi, who also will do it as long as you are in the potter's hand. Nobody can take you out. That's why Paul says, neither life, nor death, nor powers, nor principalities, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. We can be in the potter's hand, but when it's marred, he fixes it the way he wants it to be. Yeah. And the Lord himself makes the analogy. He says, can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does? Like the clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand. And I began to think, this is the year of our increase. Some of us now increasing, is, this is month uh, five. We haven't increased one bit. But if we are in the potter's hands, he can cause the increase. I was at the prayer retreat and I spoke something about this. I said, increase means to add to something. And the thing I like is, the something that God wants to add to is something that he gave you first. So let's start from the beginning. 
He gives the first thing in the first place. Whatever you have, he gives it to you. And he wants to increase it. I stole this from Pastor Fanny on the prayer line. He said, first, we always like to say we give our lives to the Lord. He said, no, first he gave us his life. So he gave the life. Then he comes, he says, this life, I want to increase it. He comes to us for the very thing he has given us. He came to us with his love. And then he came back for his love stuff and says, you know what? Show me your love now. I prove my love first. I always say this when I'm preaching, God is the original love prover. Some of you, you are very young, but the story is still the same. There are guys or girls asking you to prove your love. Let's sleep now, prove your love. That's not the love proof that God is talking about. See, I'm looking back there so nobody can say I'm looking at them. I'm looking at the wall. He said, prove it for me now. Do what I say. He said, God, it's hard to do what I, you say. That's why he says, be in a potter's hand. Bishop has been preaching it. You don't have to do it in your strength. He has already done it. Can you just act like it? You don't have to be feeling it. You just have to be confessing what he has said about you and what he has said about me. Bishop said he spoke to the young people about self-esteem. And when he came down there, his self-esteem was a little bit bruised. I don't know. I don't know. Young, what do you guys do to my bishop? Eh? But if you are feeling a little bit bruised and it's happening with our young people, you don't have to accept it. You may be feeling down, but you can open your mouth and say, I am wonderfully made, fearfully made. I resemble God. Oh, I belong to him. I am wonderfully made, fearfully made. I resemble God. Oh. I belong to him. That's why the devil trembles when he hears me say, I'm a child of God. I'm the apple of his eye. That's why the devil trembles when he hears me say, I'm a child of God. I'm the apple of his eye. I am wonderfully made, fearfully made. I resemble God. Oh, I belong to him. Pastor Clare, you just a preacher, that's why you are saying that. No. I was rolling on my bathroom floor on the old road, crying my heart out. Uh, nobody taught me the song, just came to me. I began to say his oath, his covenant, his blood support me in a whelming flood when all around my soul gives way. He is my hope, he is my stay. You don't have to be feeling it to confess what the Lord says. Therein is the victory. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Hallelujah. He could shape the clay because he made the clay first. He knows all the things inside the clay. 
So when it was marred in, the hand, in his hand, we were like, not to worry. I know all the things. I know how to fix it. Jesus can fix it. Say, Pastor Gladys, you let us sing too much. I'm not apologizing. I'm going to sing. He can fix it. This old song, the last time I sang it, Pastor Mema was the only one who knew it. I think maybe Bishop. <laughs> Let Jesus fix it for you. Because he knows just what to do. And when you pray, let him have his way. Let Jesus fix it for you. When I came in, Dr. Body came to me. She said, the Lord said he's going to mend some hearts today. That's the reason I'm encouraging you because that's what is in my heart. That he will mend something inside somebody, whether you are man or woman today. He will fix it. Because the potter can do it. When God made you, and he made me, he gave us the personalities that we have. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strength. He knows everything. He knows how to make the weak strong. And he knows how to make the strong who need to be weak a little bit weak. He knows it. He is the potter. He doesn't just make you, and when you come to him, then he says, okay, I'm going to give you this personality. No, the personality is there. But he knows how to smooth it. He knows how to fix it. And he can form another part as seems best to him. That is the main thing. Marring can happen, but let it be in his hands. I looked up the meaning of mar. I just like the word. It says to mar means to damage or spoil to a certain extent. I said, yay, Jehovah everlasting. That means you can be marred in his hand, but just to a certain extent. He will not allow it to go further. To a certain extent. And then some days he says, no. No, no. You, you will stop now. And me. Mm -hmm. Is that? <laughs> you know, when I grew up, people could just beat you. In Liberia, you do anything on the road, they can just beat you on the road. <laughs> if I tell my mom, she would say, nobody likes an unruly child. But they just, be, I don't. And I realized, but you can't just beat God's children. You can't just beat God's children. No. We just need to realize his word that says he is an ever-present help. Ever-present. He's not sleeping. He's not slumbering. He's always awake watching you 
watching me. That's why the songwriter says, if his eye is on the sparrow, I know he watches me. Let me just add this to the jollof rice. <laughs> Nigerian people like to add pepper mix. <laughs> pepper mix means you mix some pepper, tomatoes, onions. So let me add to this jollof rice, Romans 8, 28. The whole thing can spoil. I like this translation from New, it was all things work together for good. But I read this translation, listen to what it says. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. I look up the meaning of causes. It says, to cause means to compel by command, authority, or force. God can cause everything to work for our good. Because he can command, he can compel by his authority to make it so. He can cause it to happen. When everything is spoiled, he can fix it. When everything seems to be spoiled. It was Friday. The enemy thought he was victorious. They killed Jesus, put him in a grave. <laughs> the other day somebody said, when Sunday happened, some people were still rejoicing, they were still at a party, they didn't know what happened. <laughs> and somebody said, you are still dancing here, the man has arisen. On Friday, it looked like everything was spoiled. But God had a plan. Paul writes in Corinthians, he says, no, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had understood it, they would not have crucified Jesus. They didn't know. I'm coming on this side, and the person I'm talking to, she will know. I didn't say underwater. I said he had an underground stuff going on on Friday that nobody could see. Bishop, they only saw the cross. But there was something underground that he had planned from the beginning of time that he could cause this to happen because cause means to compel. You can't say no. When God says yes, you cannot say no. The Bible says it in Isaiah. It says he created the earth. He created the heavens. When he summons them, they have to stand up together. That's the God I'm talking about. When he says yes, who will say no? And when he says no, who can say yes? When he opens it, who can close it? When he closes it, who can open it? Can I tell you a story? about how God can cause things to happen. This is a story of a woman named Tamar. And I think maybe I've preached about this here before. But how did Tamar get into Matthew chapter 1, Dr. Modi? In Jesus Christ's lineage. I'm not talking about David's daughter Tamar. 
I'm talking about Tamar or Tamar, whichever way. That's in Matthew chapter 1. This is a story. Jacob prophesies to his 12 sons. When he gets to Judah, he says, the scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until it comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nation is his. And he's talking about Christ. That's the theme I'm talking about. This is a word that was prophesied to Judah. And we see Judah, he has three sons. How would this happen from Judah now? Ur, Onan, Shelah, I think. Married to Tamar. The Bible says the first man was bad, God killed him. According to the custom, the second man was supposed to be with the woman, raise up a son in his, first, in his brother's name. He said no. He ejaculated outside on the ground, God killed him. Third son. <laughs> Jacob looked long, and Judah looked long down. He says, oh, sorry. Judah looked at the situation. He said, ha, first son died with this woman. Second son died. If you are living from in Monrovia and your mom came from the Congo tribe, she would tell you this woman had a white liver. <laughs> when they say you have a white liver, that means all the men that like you die. Judah said, you know what, Tamar, go to your father's house and be there. When Sheila grows, <laughs> I will call you. Sheila grew, Tamar is waiting. Tell me how, if you look at this with your two eyes, how is God going to work it out that the scepter shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes? How? So Tamar said, you know what? She heard Judah was coming her way. She dressed herself, sat on a roadside. Judah's wife had died. He came passing. He saw this seeming prostitute. He said, I want to sleep with you. She said, what will you give me? He said, I will give you a goat, I think. But I don't have the goat. I will bring it tomorrow. She said, mm -mm. we are not doing tomorrow. Give me something now. He gave her. <laughs> he gave her his signet, his cord, and his staff. It didn't take too long after the sleeping with. They brought him the news. I think I've told this story to you guys before. You've heard it on the, somewhere. They said... Your daughter-in-law is pregnant. He said, bring her, let us burn her. He brought her. Ask. I'm so tempted to say, I have to, who is responsible for this pregnancy? <laughs> she took the signet. She took the cord. She showed it. And the Bible says this. He was convicted of his wickedness. And this woman had twins. God can, when God says he will do something, he will cause it to happen. Because looking at a woman, two eyes, I thought, how is Judah going to have these children? How? And out of a situation that was bad, God in his sovereignty fixed, I came to tell somebody, God can fix it. I didn't come from outside to tell you somebody else's testimony. God can 
fix it in the hands of the potter. The clay can be marred, but he can fix it, change it into something that he wants. Yeah. He can fix it. So if you are in trouble, the whole place is just dark. You're in the storm. You're praying, you're confessing the word of the Lord. And nothing is happening. I like this hymn. It says, Be still my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief and pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through stormy ways leads to a joyful end. But this is the one I really like. Be still, my soul, the winds and waves still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Be still, my soul, the winds and the waves still know his voice who ruled them while he dwells below. I want somebody to sing it to me if your soul needs to be still. Be still my soul the winds and the waves that still know his voice who Be still, my soul, the winds and waves still know, they still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Talking to somebody. It's as if your worth is for you to have a child and you don't have a child. And so you are inside the storm. If I didn't come for anybody else, I can tell you. Say to the Lord, say to your soul, be still, my soul. The winds and waves, they still know. His voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. So that I won't say I've been serving the Lord ever since God 
My friends have come, they have buried, they have had children, I'm still here. Be still, my soul. The winds and waves still know his voice will rule them while he dwells below. I just want to sing it one last time. Be still, my soul. The winds and waves still know His voice them And maybe you have a bad report from the doctor. Bad report. Still confess it. Be still, my soul. The winds and waves still know his voice will rule them while he dwells below. Last person. Prayed for the person not to die. You confessed the person died. Still. Be still, my soul. Be still, my soul. The winds and waves still know. I just came to encourage you. He doesn't make mistakes. It can look like a mistake. Mm -hmm. God will use you with what you have. With the personality he has given you. It may not look like it's working right now. But in the hands of the potter, see the thing he can do. Ask Saul of Tarsus. He knows the law. He's on his way to Damascus. He said, hey, you guys say this carpenter, he's Messiah. I will grab every man, every woman, every child. I will show you. Pepe. I will show you Pepe means I will teach you a lesson that you will not forget. But on his way to Damascus, he meets the master. He meets the master potter. Inside him was what already God gave him naturally. Smart. He knew the law. And God said, hey, I have something for you to do with this knowledge that you have. What better person, Bishop Johnson, to say about grace? It is not the law. 
He knew the law. And God took what he had put in Saul already. When he put himself in the potter's hand, when he met him on the road to Damascus. And God says, okay, the thing I put in you now, I'm going to increase it. You are going to go on the other side to stop talking about the law like this. And so what happens? God took him, Pastor Mema. He put super on top of his natural. Inside the word supernatural is natural and super. And God if you put yourself in his hands, will put super on top of your natural. This is a year of increase. Don't let increase finish. And God doesn't put some super on top of your natural, but you have to bring the natural out in front. In the hands of the potter. Hallelujah. You have to bring it to him. Uh, please show me again because I can't count from 10. Now, how many there now? Five, okay. <laughs> I just want to give you one other example to show you how God will. He doesn't make a mistake. The psalmist says, before my days came to be, you knew me. And you wrote down all of my days when as yet there were none of them. Let me say it again. God wrote down your days. He wrote down my days, my days, when as yet there were none of them. And when he was writing them down, he was planning to use the person with the personality that he gave you. Moses. Out of the bad situation, they're killing the children. God is underground fixing something. Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. Bring him into the Egyptian court. He knows all about them. Then out of the thing, some confusion happened. He kills somebody. He runs away. He mines sheep for 40 years. God, 40 years I will be minding the sheep. 40 years. Don't worry. Just take care of the sheep. He needed to take care of those sheep because the Israelites were stupid, jealous sheep. But what better person for God to send back to Egypt? That's who God is. But something had to happen before he went there. Maybe you are here, it hasn't happened to you. It says, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came where? To Horeb, the mountain of God. He came to the mountain of God. And then a bush began to burn. He looked at a bush. He said, let me go and see. And I know that God is omniscient. But the scripture said, when God saw that Moses went to the bush, then God spoke to him. Maybe there is something you need to let God see. And I'm speaking metaphorically. I'm not ending. Beware of the pastor who says she's ending. There are four more. <laughs> On Friday night, 
I share this. I saw a person working the safe. You know how to open a safe. You turn it to the right, you turn it to the left, you turn it to the right, you turn it to the left. And I'm thinking, could it be that you don't know how to open the safe? You know about safes, but this particular one, you don't know how to open it. Maybe you need to take your heart to the fixer. There's one song I was sharing on the prayer line. The song confused me. The woman was, the man came, he said, shoemaker. I'm looking for the shoemaker to fix my shoes. They told me shoemakers fix shoes. And the other woman comes, she begins to sing about her chair. She says she's looking for a carpenter. All of a sudden, they started singing about a heart fixer. They say, we are looking for the heart fixer. You cannot take your heart to the shoemaker. You cannot take your heart to the carpenter. You have to take your heart to the heart fixer. He is the one who can enable you to open the safe of your destiny. I want for us to take a few minutes. First group, can you take your heart to the heart fixer? I'm not talking about people who are not saved. I'm talking about people who have accepted the life that Jesus Christ gave them. Take a few minutes and talk to him and say, God, maybe I need a heart fixer about some things because I need to open this safe. I've turned it to the right, click, click, click. I've turned it to the left, click, click, click. I thought it was going to open, but it didn't. I'm turning it, I'm turning it. Maybe I need to come to the heart fixer who knows how to open this safe. But you have never accepted Christ. Please, oh. Today, in fact, you know, let me go back course in stages. It's true you believe that Jesus died for your sins, but he's not the Lord of your life. You just made that confession and you are doing everything that you want. If the world says we are doing this, you are following. But you say you, you have accepted Jesus as your savior. So please, if you are in that group, close your eyes and talk to him. Close your eyes. Talk to him and say, God, I want you to be my Lord. I'm not able, but I'm willing to be willing. And for those of you who have not, you've never said, Jesus, I believe you died. I believe you rose from the dead to save me from my sins. I accept your life. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. Do it. Take a few minutes and do it. Then you'll be able to join that chorus that says, See how far you've brought me. I'm so glad you made me worthy. I can see, I can tell. And I know it's your grace all my days I will sing your praise.